as protests over Beijing's heavy-handed COVID policy continue across China, a subtle shift may have taken place at the ballot box in Taiwan over the weekend. The local midterm elections, largely to elect city mayors and councillors and county chiefs, have forced the national president Tsai Ing-wen to resign as the chair of her own party after several key losses. Meanwhile, a political prince has begun his ascension through the Taiwanese political ranks. But what does all this mean as tensions between Taiwan and China continue to froth and bubble? Wen Ti Sung is a Taipei-based political analyst from ANU. Uh, welcome to you. Just tell me about this campaign leading into the elections. It would appear that as if one of the major parties, the President's Democratic People's Party, wanted to put the threat from China front and centre, uh, certainly a very powerful force in Taiwanese politics. But how large a shadow did Beijing actually cast on this ballot box? I would say very little, actually. Um, traditionally, local elections are about local issues, as they should be. And I think to some extent, the ruling party, the DPP, has tried to play the China card to sort of uh, capitalize on the Taiwanese national identity as a way to rock the vote, uh, sorry, rock the vote, so to speak, to increase voter turnout for DPP's crowd. And But that's going to be a hard sell on local elections. And I think China, this time around, has learned lessons from the past, from the 2020 election, during which China really loomed very largely. This time around, in the closing days of the election, the Beijing really tried to avoid making any kind of too public, too provocative kind of remarks on Taiwan re-election, so as to try to uh, not sort of help DPP get any kind of anti-China uh, backlash on voting day. So this time around, I would say China policy is not that big of an issue for the local elections in Taiwan. And this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, Tsai Ing-wen did exactly the same thing in terms of uh, invoking jingoism or nationalistic sentiment against China after the 2018 local election. So do these local election results dent her presidency or, or her government for that matter? Uh, somewhat. I think President Tsai obviously has been president for six years, and she's had two rounds of local elections in 2018, four years ago, and, uh, and this year, 2022. And the thing is, under her reign, in both local elections, DPP performed relatively poorly. I think last time they got six seats out of 22. This time they got five out of 22. So in that sense, that will be a negative factor in terms of DPP's ability to sort of train mayoral level as well as state level, uh, not only future politicians, but also the staff members, the advisors that they will need when they try to go for the presidency again in a couple of years' time. So that's going to be a negative for sure. And not to mention that she is resigning as party chairman so that's going to create some more turbulence as DPP can enter into the presidential primary season a few months from now. Meanwhile, a political prince has entered the scene, as some people have called him, as uh, being elected mayor of Taipei. Tell me about Wayne Chang, formerly known as Chang Wan An, and why he garners so much attention, certainly from the press. Yeah, Mr Chang is um, the great-grandson and the grandson of two uh, former presidents of Taiwan. And so in that sense, he sort of came from a very uh, blue-blooded 
sort of is basically KMT opposition loyalty, uh, sorry, royalty in that sense. But at the same time, he is uh, sure to become a rising star in Taiwan's politics as well, because for the opposition party, Mr. Chang really has the best of both worlds. His blood lineage sort of endeared him to the KMT's hardcore loyalist. Meanwhile, Mr. Chang is sort of um, he's U.S. educated, he's got a lawyer's license in California, and he's relatively socially progressive by KMT standards, KMT being a more, relatively speaking, conservative party in Taiwan politics. So that way he can, he can reach out to the younger centrist voters without losing support from a diehard conservative KMT core. So that really puts him in a good position. So what do these election results say about nationalism in Taiwan more broadly? Some say that a move towards the KMT would show it's a sign of nationalism and that it's diminishing and the stance towards China could be softening. What would you say about that? Is that the case? Uh, I would say it's probably premature to make conclusions about whether nationalism is diminishing. Uh, If anything, nationalism is still very much active and it's an issue that's latent in the background. And one way to look at it is to look for the lens of China threat's effect on Taiwan's election. Uh, Now, we know that um, southern Taiwan is Taiwan's agricultural hub. And... That's also where uh, it's felt the hardest in terms of China's economic sanctions against Taiwan, a lot of which is focused on Taiwan's uh, agricultural exports to China. So since southern Taiwan is impacted almost the most by China's economic coercion, you expect southern Taiwan uh, to really swing against the ruling party, DPP, if China's economic coercion is working, or if Taiwan's nationalism is waning and sort of moving towards a differential posture, but not really. The opposite has actually happened. Uh, this year, you see the DPPs holding on to southern Taiwan. Southern Taiwan, the part that's hit hardest by China's economic sanction, is actually the only part that's sticking with the ruling party DPP this electoral cycle. So if anything, nationalism is at least uh, not reducing and possibly even increasing. If you're going to make any conclusion at all, about this election results connection with nationalism level in Taiwan. Just lastly and briefly, extraordinary scenes in the mainland of China, protests openly protested, protesters openly protesting. What do you make of that? Well, it's certainly something that uh, we haven't seen in a long time. I would say it's definitely one of, if not the most significant uh, public protests we have seen in China in about 10 years. Because the last time we saw major protests like this would be 2011. That's the Guangdong-Wukang protests. But this time it's different in that uh, last time was pretty much about local grievance. But this year, this time the protests we're seeing in China is about uh, anti-COVID zero policies, which is one of those rare national level policies uh, that has cross-regional, cross-ethnic, cross-class implications so that allows a lot more possibility and potential for uh, cross-sectional mobilization. And at this point, it's worth observing whether that kind of polluted energy can be converted into something 
that can be a vehicle for meaningful political change in China. Yeah, certainly interesting that the CCP is insisting that they won't back down on the COVID zero policy. I appreciate your time tonight. Wen Ti Sung is a political scientist with ANU's Australian Centre on China in the world, and he's been observing the Taiwan elections. Appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.